Welcome to Fly Cool Shit. Fly Cool Shit. A podcast about flying cool shit. Join us weekly where we talk about aerobatics, warbirds, tailwheel flying, unique aircraft, and much, much more. Let's start the show. You're cleared into the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. What up, Jeffy P? Not much, man. Just uh, living the dream. Oh, I can't believe I just said that out loud. That is terrible. <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> I uh, am like just, I'm the most awkward person. I think I'm getting better. I'm just so awkward in the beginning and the end of our podcast. I just, I mean, you and okay. I kind of, we, we talk a little bit before and like everything's cool and you know, nothing new. It's, I'm in New York working, not really flying that much and you're in California and flip flops and flying a lot and <laughs> that's uh that's what's going on you know holidays are over everybody's yeah. depressed what are you it's kind of yeah like i mean obviously with everything being locked down too it's like it's not like we're oh yeah you know i went to a museum this weekend with the kids i did this i did that you know hanging out partying it's just kind of like yeah we're kind of you know it's funny you say living the dream like in the airline world i say we say that it, it's become such a joke that people say it knowing that it's stupid and so they'll be like, oh, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm oh, living the dream, you know, like yeah, as like it's total full circle. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally come full circle. So I'll, we'll say that. And then um, my one of my favorite sayings is uh, same shit, different toilet, because that's basically oh, what life, nice. life is right now. You know, the, the, like, oh. the good old porcelain throne. Yeah. Like, oh, what's up with you? <laughs> oh, no, not much, man. Same shit, different toilet. You know, how's the camaraderie? Like, I know you, you kind of uh, haven't been flying that much, but when it was uh, before COVID, um, is there like a sense of camaraderie between all your colleagues, like fellow pilots? Like, is there like, what kind of jokes do you guys do to each other? Like at the terminal or like in the, like, what's, what's fun about being an airline pilot? Oh, what's fun about being an well, airline like once pilot? One, I, like one thing. I mean, I, I know there's hundreds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, it, it's funny because people that have like, you know, a nine to five or nine to six or whatever, um, or, or work in a small company it's totally different than working for a major airline. And I mean, I don't size wise, we're not super big, but it's a 3000 pi, uh, pilot group size. So That's actually big. a little bit, a little above 3000 now. So it's, you know, um, it's, you have your friends, you make friends here and there. And, um, you know, camaraderie wise, I'd say, you know, if uh, I say this and people are going to hear this being like, Dude, you're not that. You are. I hate you. <laughs> People are going to listen to this and be like, you are definitely not the person you, you are describing as who you gravitate towards. But I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm pretty chill. Um, as long as you don't try to kill me, I I don't care if you make mistakes. I don't care. You know, let's let's get the job done and kind of focus on fun things to talk about and fun things to do while at work. So like, um. I, I treat work. I kind of compartmentalize at the job itself as the smallest part of of it, if that makes sense. So like the flying aspect of it and and like the, the you know, the negatives that come with being an airline pilot. Um, you know, I try to get as much time off as I can. Um, I try to have as, I try to have a leisurely good time on the road, meaning um, like when I'm on a trip, you know, I, I, I don't want to fly all day. I don't want to I don't want to do the hardest work I can. I want to kind of do the least work. Uh, amount of work possible get to so the hotel you barely, get to the want, you barely want to get these people there alive like just 
just Barely. inches from death is is yes. how you you work it. I get that. Yes. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes so like, <laughs> sometimes I'll kick the autopilot off and I'll just I'll just shake the stick back and forth and tell them it's turbulence <laughs> if I get bored. No. Um. No. Obviously, you know. Um. What I mean by like um lax, it's like there's people that are hyper. I'm sure you've met these people. There's there's people like this in all all facets of facets of aviation where, you know, you meet these like real sticklers that are like I'm by the book and. You know, any outside by the book stuff is, uh, you know, and they'll start correcting you on call outs. Like, you know, we have like flows and call outs and checklists, right? And yeah. there's phraseology. I mean, like specific phraseology by the book that you're supposed to use. And somebody might say, you know, altitude set instead of altitude checked or or checked. Like we would get corrected on checked versus check. <laughs> <laughs> so there's those types of pilots that are like, uh, I believe you're supposed to say checked there. And it's like. Hey, asshole, we're going to fly all month together. Cool it. Just, hey, just cool it. Dickhead. Yeah. Shut the <laughs> Take it down a notch, man. Um, so like, I, I think that's kind of what I mean. Like, obviously we have to be safe and like, there's a level of standard. I mean, the airlines are very standard. That's why I, like we can fly with somebody that we have never met. You know, I've been, I've been at my airline for five years and I, I'll continually fly with people I've never met and, and may never see again. Like, it's just, that's just how it works. Um, but we can get in there and know he knows what I'm doing. I, uh, I know what he's doing for the most part. And and so like, if there's like, you know, like little phraseologies, things here or a way he likes to do something different, as long as it's not yeah. dangerous, I don't really care. So I, I so really, what do you, I try to be that lax person. That being said, you know, airline pilots, like in the terminal, like, like it would be great if this was the kind of job where you can like walk up behind somebody and just like, whack the shit out of the back of their knee and like make them drop to the floor or something like that. You know? like, What's up, bro? Like, Hey man. <laughs> yeah. But like, you'd be like, they'd be like, you know, people all around be like, what the hell? And you get, obviously, you know, you got to kind of keep a professional demeanor in the terminal. So it's, it's hard to have like a loose relationship with, even with friends in the terminal. It's gotta be kind of professional. Um, I worked for Virgin America before Alaska airlines bought us. Um, and that was a very loose airline. We'd high five in the terminals, hug people, be shouting, screaming like, what's up, dude? You know, it was very, <laughs> it was that environment. It was, and it was really fun. Um, but we're going Alaska's, out tonight. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, see, dude, uh, you're, Oh, you're going to LA too. Oh, oh shit. You know, stuff like see that. At the bar. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we had crews get kicked out of hotels all the time for drunken parties, like just crazy, crazy stuff. But Alaska's very sterile is like the best way to describe it. So like, they were like, they literally like wrote an email like, hey, I know Virgin America pilots like are used to high fiving and hugs and being really fun in the terminals. We think that's, you know, unprofessional. Like you can't hug each other anymore. <laughs> OK, whatever. Um, so so they're like the Dean Vermin from like Animal House. There'll be no fun yes. of any kind. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> you know, I, I love Mr. the company. Mr. Blutowski, 0.0. <laughs> it's very much like any other airline. You know, you see crews walking around and, it's, it, you know, they 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 prefer you see a or prefer you have a kind of a professional demeanor. So it's, it's hard to have that. Um, so, you know, asking about camaraderie, you know, um, I, certainly I support and will defend um, pilots and, and, and employees. And um, there is a level of camaraderie. Like, like even if you don't know the person, if you see like a, a passenger being a dick to somebody, like your initial reaction is to defend the the employee not the passenger right so there is that level yeah. of camaraderie um but you know just like any job it's you know 
especially airline flying, is kind of a metric for like society. You'll meet people with different political views, religious views. Um, and, you know, the, the mantra, if you're if you're a decent human being, I feel like or, you know, you, you keep religion and politics out of it. Like I had somebody tell me long, long time ago when I was a new new budding, you know, professional pilot, like there's two things you don't talk about in the cockpit and that's politics and religion. And I try to do that even with my friends, unless a topic's real serious. And, and obviously people can have disagreements and things like that. But, you know, especially the political climate now is so polarizing. Oh, my God. Um, to get stuck in the cockpit with somebody going across the country for for five and a half hours. And, you know, I've had guys like literally like we're on the taxi out, like, you know, say something super, super polarizing. Like and I just look over and I'm like, dude, we are we are going to Charlotte right now. We're in San Francisco. Yeah. And you lay this shit on me Tw 12 minutes into the taxi. We have five and a half more hours. And you say that to me on the taxi. Like, come on, dude. you know, um, but, you know, uh, conversely, you know, you start going out and, and it's always like that same like, where are you from? Where did you commute in from? Do you have kids? You know, like that's <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody kind of asks. They're like the, the get to know you stuff. And then like kind of peel that stuff back and you start to getting uh, to really know somebody, you know, and like uh, we have a former Thunderbirds pilot. We have two former Canadian snowbird pilots. And, and so like literally flying along and like, oh, you know, like do you fly GA? You know, obviously I'm, I'm a big GA flyer, you know, flight instructor, right. I own the extra fly aerobatics. And um, it was really cool. Um, you know, we have iPads we, uh, for our uh, electronic flight bags. We call them EFBs and it has all the charts and stuff. And uh, my background is my airplane. And I th actually, I think maybe for a while it was like the B-17 or something like that. One of the one of the Collins Foundation birds that I was flying. Um, and they're like, whoa, like, oh, that's cool. Like, I mean, where did you take that picture? I was like, oh, you know, I um, volunteer pilot for them. And then that kind of just opens up, you know, a lot of discussion. Um, and I've met, you know, people that fly warbirds. I've met people that own. Uh, there's a guy that owns a T-28 uh, that flies for yeah. us, a guy that owns a Stearman. Um, I met that Thunderbirds pilot like that, like just randomly shooting the shit, you know, and um, that's then you kind of start growing relationships and, and building on like the kind of the fun stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are you a Thunderbird or a uh, Blue Angel fan? Blue Angel all the way. Oh, that's right. Your navies. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. Oh, I yeah. got to admit, like they have I think they have a little bit better show. But for some reason, I'm just uh, I'm a Thunderbird. I love the Thunderbirds. I, I love the Thunderbirds. Is. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, But the Blue Angels, they fly a tighter formation. Um, they overall, I think, I think Naval aviators are just, they're just a different breed. I mean, having to land on a carrier, um, and for a while it's been some years since it's been like this, but, um, the blue angel aircraft, um, were basically on standby to be fleet ready for, for any, to, to go to the front lines within like a, a matter of hours. Like it was like 72 hours. They can be made to go fight. And I always thought that was kind of cool. I don't think it's like that yeah, anymore. That I think cool. they're, they're kind of dedicated to the team now. Um, but it was I funny. I thought it was you know, cool. I, one, of, one of the Blue Angels was on a uh, like a Tonight Show or something, and they were talking. And I don't know how it was like how the topic came about, but it was basically like the host was saying, you know, the aircraft you're flying are, you know, older and this and that. And the Blue Angel guy was like, well, we saved the better ones for the guys that need them. And I thought yeah. that was one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Yeah. they. Uh, um, I mean, even now, what's weird. So... Um, I think most people know this. I was in the Navy. I worked on F-18 Hornets. So I was in the Hornet community. Um, and I, I, that was totally prophesized. I, I, I saw the Blue Angels in San Francisco for Fleet Week and I was like, I got to be involved somehow. And so I, I wanted to go in the Navy to see if I wanted to fly. 
um, ended up just wanting to get out and pursue civil aviation. But um, I worked on the F-18 Hornet for five years. And when I started, um, my first squadron had uh, Alpha, Bravos, Charlies, and Delta uh, F-18 Hornets. There was no Super Hornet at the time. Or maybe it had just come out. Um, it was really new. And so um, we were uh, at that. So the Blue Angels at that time, this would be 2001, 2002. They were flying Alphas. They were flying the old the oldest of the fleet. And then they eventually upgraded to the C model, which visually um, the civilian civilians wouldn't know any difference between the two uh, from a visual standpoint. But we would actually um, cannibalize parts off of newer airplanes and send them to the, to the front lines. And then we'd cannibalize some older parts and send them to the Blue Angels. And it was oh, cool. It, it, um, it's a, it, it, it was totally cool, you know, totally cool to be. You always felt like you're doing, you know, it, it was so, so much bigger than than you, you know. Um, and I think the Blue Angels, like that's there's still definitely some of that, but um, you know they're up. They uh, this will be the first year with a Super Hornet. Um, it was kind of bum, uh, you know, COVID made it a huge bummer because uh, I, I follow the Blue Angels at least on the on the West Coast, and I, I try to see them as much as possible. Um, but um, the last year was going to be their fa- farewell tour uh, with a Legacy Hornet, and so you know basically nobody got to see their farewell tour on the old Hornet. Uh, to then transition to the Super Hornet this year. So this year they are on the Super Hornet um, and their demos will be with the Super Hornet. So uh, it'd it, be great is to like see the common person is the common person going to be able to notice the difference between the Super Hornet and uh, the regular Hornet or depends is it going to be. It depends on what you mean by common person. I mean, I could point you out the the the, the glaring, obvious visual differences and you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's OK, it's bigger. I, I think everybody knows that's bigger, but yeah, I mean, it's bigger. It's got squared off uh, intake ducts. That's that. That's probably the biggest visual cue. Uh, seem uh, a, a legacy Hornet to the Super Hornet is the legacy Hornet has rounded intake ducts, and the Super Hornet has you know squared off you know stealth quote unquote um, intake ducts, and then the uh, the tail the horizontal stab is squared off and not rounded. So like when you see that you know the profile shot of it, it's bigger. But if you look at the tail, you're like okay. If, if you can see sharp edges on the tail, it's it's a Super Hornet. Gotcha. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're it's it's awesome, you know. Uh, and they integrate and they go in and out of the fleet. I mean, the, the Thunderbirds do too. But you know, a lot of these guys and and the Blue Angels were always um marketed as like there's nothing special here. I mean, obviously they're extremely special. They're they're the the top breed of their you know of the pilot group for for the military or for the Navy, but. The maneuvers that they do, obviously, you know, there's aerobatics and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of the stuff they do is it's tactical stuff. Right. And 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 necessary to um, naval aviation. So, you know, obviously they, sh- they do the demo with, you know, the tail hooks down and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, these guys are just coming in and out, um, you know, from the fleet. So it's not like they go somewhere and get special training to become a Blue Angel pilot. They, they get selected to be a Blue Angel pilot and then they kind of come in and then then they're, you know, there's this you know, practice season. But um it's it's not anything out of the ordinary as far as, uh, you know I don't you know I I don't even know how to say it but it's not like they're they have aerobatic backgrounds in the GA world or they go to get some special uh, designation you know to be a Blue Angel pilot prior to being selected so it's 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 kind of cool in that regard I've always had a huge admiration for the Blue uh, the Blue Angels um, you know and they're I would I would have never guessed it <laughs> right. Yeah, no, they, uh, I, I'm, I'm a prime example. I mean, I, I love Top Gun, first of all, but uh, and I always loved naval aviation. My dad was in the Navy. Um, 
I've always just been fascinated with naval aviation, but the the Blue Angels got me a hook, line, and sinker. I mean, they are a recruiting tool to get you to, to to join the Navy. And I'll tell you right now, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, yep, I'm gonna go join the Navy. <laughs> yeah, no, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I do love them, um, and obviously, you know, for being we're air show aerobatic nuts, you know, and and the big military teams are, you know, kind of a. You know, if you're going to put the hierarchy of where they stand in the air show world, you know, that I would say the big military teams are kind of the top draw, right? The Blue Angels, Thunderbirds, Snowbirds. Um, right. And then you got the civilian jet, jet teams that kind of go below that. So, yeah. Um, no, it's a great it, show. I mean, it, I love the sneak pass. That's I think that's a crowd favorite. I think oh, it's one of my favorites. That too. But, oh, yeah. And I love it's going to be even better with the when it's coming. Too. Oh, really? Why? They're louder. The oh, engines really? are oh, cool. Yeah, the engines are. It's almost double the thrust. Um, I want to say the original F four hundred four engine on the the Legacy Hornet's like eighteen thousand pounds of thrust or sixteen thousand pounds of thrust, and the um, I think the Super Hornet's the F four hundred four engine. Um, I it may not be double, but it's considerably. Uh, it might be twenty five or thirty percent. Um, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, if you can like see it coming and then you look at the other people have no idea what's what's happening and then they kind of just shit, you know, shit their pants. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. Did you so like what was I? Uh, I think we were talking to Pinkston about it with the F4 and he was saying that like for every one hour of flying with the F4, what, how many what was it? How many hours yeah. of maintenance was it? Considerable. I don't remember what he said. Um but it was considerable. Like it was a lot. Is it like that with the F-18 when you were working on them? So here's what's interesting. So um, I I caught the tail end of the of the F-14 Tomcat. Um, my oh, first cool. detachment um, we did. Two, so my first squadron was called a RAG replacement air group. It was basically a training squadron. So like I said, we had all we had Alpha Bravos, Charlies and Deltas for the F-18. Um, and then we'd go and do like short carrier calls. Right. So the, these guys are coming from, you know, the um, gosh, I. What the hell were they learning in like the Buckeye, the T2 Buckeye or um, the T45? You know, uh, they're doing their their initial jet qual and then they come to a Hornet squadron like mine and they get their Hornet qual. And so we'd have to go out for two weeks on the onto the boat and get them all carrier qualled. And my first couple of carrier quals, um, they'd have multiple squadrons come out. Right. So like people that needed a recall or. You know, it's like they're sending an aircraft carrier out from San Diego for two weeks. Like, let's make use of it. Who needs who needs the boat? Right. And so a bunch right. of squadrons would come out. We'd, we'd go out and then whoever needed the boat would come out. Um, so you'd have helicopter squadrons. You'd have, you know, the cod, which is the um, gosh, they don't even use it anymore. I don't think um, the C2, C2 Greyhound, which carried the mail um, Hawkeye uh, squadrons and all this stuff. And we had Hornet squadrons. And so it was really cool to see the hornet i'm sorry the uh, the tomcat we had tomcat squadrons come out um and talking to those guys um it was like they're like yeah this is like our last year like this is our last deployment of the tomcat uh yeah. and then they were going to transition to super hornets at that time the tomcat for every flight hour was 15 hours of maintenance so really? yeah and at that time when i was transitioning in uh the regular Hornets, the, 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 or, you know, I say, I say regular Hornets, the legacy Hornets. So that kind of encompassed all. Yeah. Alpha Bravo, Charlies and Deltas. Yeah. Um, were, um, six, six ma uh, maintenance hours per flight hour, I think was, was mm. what it was. And 
Um, that was amazing know, back in like the uh, early mid nineties when Snodgrass and Patty Wax stuff were flying like an Airshare routine. Like here's an F fourteen and and a three hundred S an extra. Yeah, and just you know doing you know formation inverted this that passes. It's like that. I don't. That's never gonna happen again. No. Um, no. And, but it was fact, it was freaking incredible. I remember seeing that. Well, and that's kind of you know like we look at like civilian jet teams like. You know, there's a couple A4s on the civilian circuit. Collins Foundation has an A4. Um, the F4 is the only F4 in civilian hands. I think there was an F4 for sale that was restored here in California. God knows if that'll ever sell. And God knows, you know, who knows whether that thing will even fly. Because you're talking about, right. I mean, talk of just the cost, the operational cost just per hour stupid alone. money. It's just it's, stupid money. It's stupid. And, I, you know, I remember a lot of people were asking me, like, do you ever think the Legacy Hornet will... Uh, you know, Legacy Hornet will enter civilian hands. And I'm like, you know, with how much, even when I worked on it back in, in the early 2000s, you know, uh, the, to keep these things combat ready, like I said, six hours, every every hour, everything that, every time that thing comes back. Now, I don't mean six hours, uh, like it has to be down for six hours. That just means that if six people are on that airplane for an hour, that's six hours. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So if you put six yeah, people on the airplane, yeah, it's man hours. Um, so in that regard, it's kind of it's not a lot, but it kind of is. And so if you think about like what it, what would an air show season do to that airplane? And you'd have to have really tra- highly trained people teams to main, maintain one F-18. So, yeah. I, you know, I think the, the era of civilian jets, um, obviously, when Dale flew it, he was in the Navy. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I don't know that. I think the F4 is a crazy example. Um, there's there's less um, cost preventative jets that came after the F4 that, you know, like the F5, you know, there's there's a ton of F5s and T38s in civilian hands, but none of them really do the air show circuit. But yeah, I, T38's I a cool plane. I love that airplane. It's so loud. Super, too. super cool airplane. Very cool airplane. No autopilots yeah. in those too. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick break from our scheduled podcast here to edit out a uh, little spot where we talked a bunch of shit that we shouldn't have about a company, and we don't want to get sued. Anywho, back to the show. You know, like- I feel like at this point, any airplane manufacturer, if you're entering the market, you know, right now, I'm not talking 20 years ago or 30 years ago, being extra what it is, you know, and, uh, you know, what they've kind of, uh, done so far, you have to give an airplane to somebody who's going to, you know, like a Rob Holland or a Castor Fantobo or somebody, you got to basically give them that airplane for free and be like, yep. Hey, prove it, prove my platform. And just fly, you know, it if, if it's a shit see. airplane, they're going to say no, but if it's good, they'll take it and they'll do well. Yep. And, um, and then you and I will be like, Oh, Okay. But yeah. like the Gen Pro, it looks cool, but it it's not proven. It's just not proven. So the average aerobatic guy, for the most part, everybody, not everybody, a good portion, I think, is on a shoestring budget or is like one of these things where like they're just they got enough money or they're comfortable. But nobody's going to put five hundred thousand dollars into an airplane that they don't know is how it, that they don't know is how it's going to last or how it's going to do. It's just a I lot agree. to ask for a person like that. I agree. And, it's a um, huge investment. And then, it's, and then it's like, you know, it's like if you buy a 330 SC and you don't like it, the chances of you being able to sell it are really high. 
If you buy a and Gen Pro why, and you don't yeah. like it, good luck. And Maybe that's kind of what it. people are overlooking a little bit with Gamebird is I think Philip, um, his name, you know, being a part of that company, even though he's not, he's never won a Worlds, he's been in the, uh, the, the circle for a while, you know, he's a very good pilot. He, yeah. you know, he went to Motigi. He went, you know, he competed at Worlds, I believe. And he's a good competition pilot. So he has that. So they, I guess their thought process is we didn't really have to give an airplane away or even if they wanted to or whatever. But like Gen Pro, um, the, I, if I were them, I'd be like, I'd, I'd find somebody who was really good and be like, here, take it. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think I, I still, I think he still should, you know, like, um, I think I said it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I, I really thought when Rob Holland uh, crashed his first MXS that Philip would give him one and maybe he did try. I don't know. Um, yeah. Who knows? We'll have to ask Philip. Yeah. And um, I, I would like to see, I'd like to see, I mean, whether Philip gives somebody an airplane or not, I would like to see, I really like to see it on the air show circuit. I don't know why. I mean, obviously it needs to prove itself in competition to be a formidable competition airplane. That that's, you know, there's no such thing as a, uh, there's no, nothing that an air show will, will, um, will, will help that. Uh, yeah. but I do, I do, I just want to see it visible. And I think, I think that's the thing with the gen pro too. It's like, you guys need visibility. Like you need, you need the public to see it. You need, uh, recreational, um, weekend warrior, uh, fans of aerobatics to see it. And then you need, the hardcore practitioners to see it, you know, yeah. um, the real serious eyes need to see it too. And, um, hope, I mean, shit, I mean, COVID has screwed everything up. Hopefully this year we kind of, you know, kind of see that. I, I don't know. Well, there were, there was going to be a, a civilian team with the game bird. Um, but I don't know the fate who of the hell. Yeah. Who the hell um, knows? You know who I would really love to see fly to game bird or hear about, uh, their, experience with it is uh patty that would be really interesting because she's flown so much stuff and yeah uh, and she's you know, so she give um, it, extra she's honest like, and she'd give oh, it a good review oh for sure for sure and what, what's nice is that she's so extra um meaning she's super extra bro nah uh she um you know she she's flies a lot of this forever been been in one forever and flies certified extras forever you know um rob flying it i think feel like anything rob flies is just he he flies the most, um, I mean, the highest unlimited flight envelope airplane out. Let's face it. What you can, you can poo poo MX aircraft all day long. That's, that's the, that, that is the tops. That airplane has the largest flight envelope and is the most unlimited capable airplane out there. So like when he flies anything else, everything is lesser than yeah. what he's flying. Whereas Patty you know, she's, she flies the 300 L so much and, and the three, 300, gosh, what's the other one she flies there that, um, LT, no, not the LT, um, LX LP. They should, they uh, have that. Oh yeah, that, yeah. 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 The uh, red and gray one. Yeah. Um, so like seeing that kind of stuff would be really, uh, seeing her fly the, the game bird would be really cool. Um, yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I, so I, I didn't mean to derail to the, to, um, airplanes, um, and, and leave off of fire pilot supplements unless we want to do that. My, my only point was, is that I can't stand how gen pro is marketed as an airplane. I can't, I already can't stand how <laughs> fighter pilot supplements is marketed. Uh, cause I don't know what it is. Is it a vitamin? Is it a vi I mean, is it as just a daily supplement pack? You know, is it like a daily vitamin multivitamin? Is it literally an energy pill? I don't know. I, I think it's something that 
it's just like this if you take this pill take the red pill no if you take this pill that you'll get an edge while flying or or you're gonna have more energy and awareness you know visually and physically or whatever have you so let me ask you this it's just it's bullshit but whatever let me ask you this when you when you're flying obviously like things like sleep um you know alcohol the night before you know how 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 well your body has recovered from from um some sort of activity, right? Like whether it's like drinking the night before, um, staying up too late, exercise, uh, things like that, um, obviously have a huge effect on, on your body's physiology of when you fly, when you fly and you feel something like you're not a hundred percent, what do you feel like? Have you ever been like, man, I, I just need more like caffeine. Yeah, I think it's more like you you get to know your body so well where you're just like I'm dehydrated and if you're if you have half a brain you'll know that you can't just go and drink a a bottle of water and you're going to be magically hydrated. It takes time yeah. for your body to absorb it. So, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're training for a competition that's pretty close and, you know, not saying you're hungover and like really in bad shape. This is like you're talking like just a little off. Like you still fly and you'll still be able to hopefully learn. And if you have a good, you know, if you walk it through on the ground a lot, you could still get something to take away from the flight. But, you know, for the most part, you just have to, you have to be really, you know, religious. And in the night, my big thing is the night before you have to just drink a ton of water. I'm a Mm -hmm. big fan of just staying hydrated because Mm -hmm. it's not only good for, you know, your your body, but it, it keeps you, for me, it keeps me loose you know, my muscles aren't so, uh, so tight and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah and you could really cramp if you're more dehydrated. Yeah. You cramp up and, you know, you just don't have, and my G tolerance goes down and not crazy, but it goes down. It's noticeable. Yeah. But you have to, that's the biggest thing. If, if, if anybody can take away anything, it's just drink, drink, drink. And you got to do it the night before. Cause I don't know. It's just, that's what, uh, that's what I was told. And then, uh, that's I tend to drink. Work. So I, I try to stay hydrated throughout the day. Um, and then before I fly, I'll usually I'll go to the bathroom and then like literally right before I hop in, I will drink water because um, I, I know I'll have to. It'll make me go to the bathroom when I come back. But um, I I try to replenish what I'm going to potentially lose. And uh, this is like big in the summertime, right? Like we all fly airplanes that are huge greenhouses, you know, in the summertime. I mean, when it's hot. Uh, you know, an extra canopy, you just, you bake in that airplane. And so you sweat, yeah. you sweat a lot. And the, the, I've landed plus a helmet. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I've, I've, I've taken off feeling fine and I've landed dehydrated for sure. Um, especially like, you know, fairing somewhere. And that's where I really notice it. Like I, you know, we all, nobody wants to drink water cause then they have to land and pee. But like there is a definite fine balance because Man, when you when you start flying dehydrated, it really sucks. You really notice. Yeah. I I do notice that a lot. Like I can be hungry, no, and it's not a big deal. But I definitely notice, um, being dehydrated. Um, yeah, I'm just like laughing because like I'm just like with the supplement talk. It's like what do you? It's like you know those yeah. like uh, Instagram videos or Facebook where guys go to the gym and they got like that fancy like bottle with the two different supplements like pre workout and post workout. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I'm sure it helps. Um, but if you're serious about aerobatics or, you know, you want to take it for the long haul, if you do, if you start doing a supplement or something right now, can you honestly tell me 
that in four years you're going to be doing the same exact shit. So it's not consistent. No. Whereas like if you could just stay hydrated, that's so easy. It's so easy to stay hydrated and it's free. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And like, you know, if it was something like, you know, a lot of people take like, um, you know, some sort of a daily multivitamin, right? Like, you know, like one a day or like GNC's Mega Man or something like that. Like if you just want a multivitamin and you, you are going to have the, the, um, regiment of, of a daily multivitamin, which really is kind okay. of a little bit horseshit because it, your body really doesn't absorb a lot of that vitamin. It kind of no. shits it out to be honest. Oh no, it's it, a ton of it is, is pushed out of the body. Yeah. It, it, and that's kind of where I say a lot of it's kind of bro sciencey stuff and, and where I, I just don't know what kind of research. I don't know, man, I'm, I'm super skeptical on fighter pilot supplements because of this. And it's like, what did you do here? Did you, did you feel a void in yourself and do the research um, over a period it of years. It says on the website he did like 12 years of, I don't know. He seems okay. like a cool dude, though. I mean, he's he's like out of a movie. I mean, he seems, he Definitely seems like a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to him. I mean, he kind of, he can't, let's reach he came out through him. fast. Yeah. yeah let's, no, let's I reach mean, out to him. All right. Let me tell him, Mitch, Mitch, write that down. All right. Mitch, the it's producer. A shine box. <laughs> Um, I have to, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a little, I'm bummed. I want to tell people why I'm bummed. Um, lay it on me. We tried to record, well, we didn't try to record. We, well, we talked, so we had Rob Holland back on, um, and then we had, uh, we had him on with AJ Wilder. Um, they were down doing a camp and, um, I'm bummed that we were plagued with audio issues. Um, again, again. Uh, we're you know, using maybe new- we have a lot of people like sending us viruses because, you know, we didn't even say we cracked the the top 100 already on aviation podcasts. We're at 70. I we mean, did. and climbing and climbing. Yeah, no, it's huge. So, um, so thank you guys that for we got you some know, hate- subscribing. We got some haters out there. I'm sure we do. Oh, yeah. You know, life's full of haters. But yeah, like we <laughs> uh, I have a part of that. So basically we lost an hour of audio. I'm trying to recover it and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to get it because we had a disconnect. I think we got to re-record because AJ was like. In and out of a coma. Rob he was half dead. Shit. Yeah, he was like, he got the shit kicked out of him from that flight. And yeah, uh, but it was there it was, was one point was, where he was laying down on a couch and you could hear yeah. the couch creaking. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you'd ask a question, you just hear the creak and well, well, uh, well let me tell yeah. you. And then yeah, and Rob was feeding no. him Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> just pumping him full of Adderall. Um, yeah. No, it was super fun to talk to him. <laughs> no, 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 not making this up. Um, I might, I, I will try to, to see if it's, you know, releasable or not, but, um, you know, it's, it's a bummer. It was a little funky, that interview. I'd like to redo it, to be honest. I would too. I would too. Yeah. Uh, All right, cool. Um, I would too. But what I wanted to ask you, um, so, it, you know, thank you, Rob and AJ for coming on. Um, thanks, but no we, thanks. <laughs> thanks, but, but go fuck yourself. No, um, what I wanted to ask you was, so, you know, what is AJ Wilder's mindset right now as um, getting ready to to be hopefully reselected for the unlimited team and and get ready for worlds? Is that is that kind of his focus now? Like if you could put your yourself in his shoes, this camp that he just did uh, with Rob or sorry, this coaching. Well, yeah, camp. Um, yeah. Uh, what where where is he at mentally? What do you think he's thinking about right now as as far as looking ahead and 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 
what he's getting ready for. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a complicated guy in a good way. So if I had to guess, and this is like left field, and I think he would agree, but so he's super, super smart, AJ. And he plays off like he's not that smart, but he's a really, really smart guy. Um, and a lot of fun too, and super humble. And, you know, he when you take that, in my opinion, when you go from advanced to unlimited, you have it's a lifestyle change where you're basically got to dedicate more than double, if not triple the time. Do you and feel like it's good, kind of like amateur to pro in a sport? Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah, it's like um, I wouldn't even say it's like triple A. It's it's like college baseball to, to MLB is what I would say. OK, it is yeah. just it's it's a lot. And, you know, being that he's really, really smart, um, you know, he understands the work it's going to take, the time it's going to take and who he's going to be up against, especially at the world level. So. You know, he's not going to AJ is not the type of guy that is going to do something half ass. He's never done anything half ass. So if I had to say he's going out there to win, like he wants to win and he'll never maybe say it out loud or whatever. But if I know him well enough, which I think I know him, I wouldn't say a lot. I don't think I know him really well, but I think I've gotten to know him well. So I think he he's got a great shot at it. And from what I hear, he's doing even better than last time I saw him. And Anything he's done in life, he's he's been really, really successful at. So, yeah, um, he's know, a really interesting guy in that regard. Yeah. And he, he's so smart, but he's like sly like a fox. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just he trains a lot and he puts the work in. And especially, you know, when we're talking about it on that podcast and when we do it again or re-record it, whatever, we'll touch upon it. But he takes a lot of notes on the ground. He, you know, anal- he's very analytical. So that was and, one of the things um, that really impressed me when, when Rob was, uh, was, was talking about you, I think you would ask the question, um, you know, like, uh, you know, how was it coaching AJ? And he was very complimentary to AJ and said, you know, the note thing was really interesting to me because I feel like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure they record audio, right? I mean, yeah. do you guys record audio in your coaching session where he's recording uh, on the ground so and, and hopefully you have some do- way of. I think it's audio with Rob, unless somebody could videotape for him. Nikolai, I think he's the only coach that can do video, audio, and talk to you on the, uh, it's like that circus act where you're balancing a plate over your head and chewing bubble gum and rubbing your stomach and standing on a ball with one. He's incredible, Nikolai. But I think Rob's audio, the first camp I did with just audio was out in uh, Kansas with Morrissey. And before I... um, you know, I found out they don't do video out there. So because I had come from, you know, getting video review pretty much. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. how. And the audio is yeah, the video is secondary at this point to me, you know, because every time you fly with a critique, you know, you're paying for the shit. So you got to listen. And, you know, I have a I have a big notebook and every flight, you know, you listen to it and you take all the notes and it's not every, some people, I guess, use it really like a Bible and maybe that's the right thing. But for me, it's more of like a reference. Um, and if I really need to pull something from it where I'm not really too sure or it's not fresh in my mind, I'll look at it kind of it's for me, it's a lot more presentation notes in my notebook. You know, where, what angle I got to over rotate or, you know, what how many degrees I got to be positive or negative on a vertical in different parts of the box because it all changes. And it's it's really hard to remember all that. Um, yeah. Without, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like confusing too. You know, if you're a canopy towards the judges on the left side of the box and you're far in, 
you know, how many degrees forward do you think you need to be uh, positive on the downline or negative on the downline? Like things like that. And then there's all different types of over rotation notes where you need to be over rotated, you know, as far as deep, low, high, far, back, left, right. So there's all different spots that the airplane's going to be configured. And, you know, it sounds like really to somebody who's really not used to this, it's it sounds kind of um, nitpicky, but it's the difference in winning and losing. I mean, you look at the yeah. point spread, it's 80 points, 100 points, and it's it's nothing. And if you can this just fix what you a couple do. degrees, it's it's what you have to do it. I yeah. mean, in my, uh, again, I'm not a, the most experienced person out there, but that's just what, what I've seen. And, you know, I fixed over one year, I fixed some stupid things I thought that were stupid as far as a couple degrees here or a couple over rotations here, um, you know, purposely over rotating so that the judges think it's so the judges see what they think and it made a big difference. And, you know, I'm kind of sticking to it and going to try to do that another year. Um, but yeah, age, age is just a, uh, he's a brilliant guy and he plays it off beautifully that he's not, <laughs> but he's a super, super smart guy. And um, I would, you know, it just goes to show you, he puts so much time. He probably puts over quadruple. I don't know what the, uh, what's the, what's after quadruple? Yo boy. Yeah. Right. Whatever, whatever that next one is, is the amount of work he puts <laughs> in and you can see how long it's taken, you know, yeah. look how long it's taken him. It's, it's years and years. So well, and it's, it's crazy because, um, I remember I first, um, you know, came to know, I mean, I don't know AJ at all, but like to know of him when he was on the advanced team and, um, it's such an impressive journey to see. I mean, a documentary should be made about the the transition from, you know, advanced to unlimited because you just got to imagine how much hard work and his something that um he said really resonate or not maybe not resonate but it definitely stuck out to me was when he said he got to uh, to whack that um he he said he felt like he needed another five years before he should have shown up that's you know it's it's amazing to think about what you do per year at that level to get yeah to just progress and, I mean, and then to think you need five more <laughs> yeah you can yeah. uh i mean how do you, you can't buy experience you just gotta, no there's no replacement the for it so it's that's a tough it's a tough one to tough pill to crack or tough sorry tough cookie to crack what's the saying <laughs> Tough pill I to swallow. Fight, I need some fighter tough, pilot supplements. Tough fighter pilot supplement to swallow. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, he's, it's a lot. I mean, it's a fucking ton. Do you feel like, to uh, what is your feeling right now? Cause you're going to, you're heading down to Florida for your first camp of the year. Um, yeah. Do, do you, do you get anxiety or, or feel like you're not doing enough in preparation? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying you aren't. I'm, I guess what I mean is, is like, do you, how far ahead do you worry about your preparedness for something? No, I, you don't. That's not really the way, the way I think. I don't think a lot of people think like that with camps. Okay. Um, for me, it's more like you just pick up from where you left off last. So just like the note taking that, like when we did the camp in Tennessee with the team, I have all notes and everything from that camp. So yeah. And I kind of, I don't know, it's like one of the few things that I can remember in life, but I pretty much remember like last camp, I knew I had to work on rotations on top of uh, uh, looping figures, uh, like hesitation rolls, just to get the angles right. Um, okay. 
you know, and I'm like very nitpicky stuff. Um, like the difference between say like a seven, five, eight, Oh, to like an eight, five, nine or something, just really trying to perfect the figure. Sure. And, um, you know, just certain, um, angles as far as where they are in the box working on that. So I'm just going to pick up from there and work on that. And, you know, as long as you're trending in the right, you just have to look at the trend. If you're trending up, then that's okay. You just, obviously you don't want to trend nowhere or trend down. So you just pick up the pieces from where you left off last. And, you know, Rob is coaching this camp. So, you know, he coaches a lot of people. It's going to be kind of tough for him to remember exactly what you're working on. But, you know, you just brief him a little bit of like when I first trained with him over in Tennessee for the first time, um, I kind of spoke to him on the ground. I'm like, hey, like this is what I suck at. This is what I've been working at. Um, just so you know. Uh, so this way, when you're in the air, you're not like he's not trying to figure out you. Meanwhile, the engines turn in, you're all amped up. And you're just wasting time. So a yeah. lot of it is just pre brief and stuff like that. And you just pick up the pieces and and go. It's more of like excite. Like for me, I'm excited to get down there and and fly because I just haven't been flying. So I don't think I'm going to do great as to my standards, you know, because I'm just I have no G tolerance right now. I haven't I haven't flown acro and it's going to probably take me like two or three days just to dial in a little bit. Um, but it's more so to to be with the team and and you know be around everybody well and i would imagine at this point too it's probably like, like for a lot of you guys uh, i mean geographically you know depending on where people live i mean you guys are going out of sebring so people live down there or or uh winter down there you can fly all year um yeah but for a lot of people you know there's there's a little bit of a break and i'm sure probably a lot of people welcome a break i mean you and i talked about that really early on in um the pod you know one of the episodes that you kind of kind of welcome then you know a couple months off Unless you're Mike Celebrity who flies every fucking day, no matter what it seems. <laughs> the guy, not only does he fly every day, his hair is a different hairstyle. He uses a hair, different hair gel every day. What do you think he uses, crew? What was the uh, hair gel he used when you were younger? <laughs> crew. What was yeah. it? Gl- crew? I used no, crew. what was the other one? G- gloop or something like that. Um, jupe. Not jupe. Jupe was the cologne. I'm right? gonna throw. I'm gonna throw back something so hardcore. From like when I was really young. Okay. I bet he Did used you spike L- it. LA looks. Yeah. Oh my God. Remember LA looks. I do. They had remember that was like the big thing back then. Gel. Then they had gel that didn't get hard. Remember you used to put yeah. the gel in the hair and your hair was like a fucking rock. You could ram somebody's face and stab them. You could poke yeah, an eye out they, for sure. <laughs> and then they came out with gel. That's probably why I lost my hair because of all the fucking gel I put in it. Super chemically <laughs> garbage. Yeah. But then I switched to the, um, you know, because I went to the barbershop for my, there was no salons for you know, all these kids now. They go to salons to get their hair done. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we went to the barbershop. It was $8 and you give them a 10 yep. and it was a $2 tip. Yep. And they take, super that dirty, or whatever. they take that dirty comb out of that water that's been in there for the past month. And <laughs> <comb> <laughs> <laughs> but remember in the barbershop, they had that like pink paste. Yeah. I do. It was like the same was, shit we used in elementary thing. school to like, yeah, we used to like paste pictures to our cardboard, <laughs> you know, our sh- sheetrock paper or whatever the heck. Yeah. But yeah, I used to use that. I used to not make my hair so, uh, so hard. And it was yeah. nice. You know, I used, I used to be stylish, dude. I wasn't always like this. I was a, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went, I had the app. You should get a look. toupee. I know. You, you I was actually thinking about that. They got these things now where it's like they glue some fucking hair piece on your head, but it looks real. And do I'm it. like, I'm just going to do it, right? 
Dude, just ask for the Philip Steinbach uh, circa, you know, Japan, Japan G, uh, Grand Prix. Can you imagine if I went into that salon? Here. I was like, they're like, hello, Mr. Petroselli. How would you like to look? I'd be like, well, I've had this one look in mine. It's the 1992 Steinbach look. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, I'm not familiar. And then I'd just be like, well, then fuck. If you don't chew big red, then fuck you. <laughs> then fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Storm out of there. I do not know the Steinbeck look. He's a legend. So funny. Um, yeah. Who do you think? Uh, so I asked this question and I, I, I stepped on my, on my mouth a little bit because I totally forgot about Mark uh, going to be missing from the team uh, this year in Unlimited. Who do, you, who do you think is going to be stepping up in an Unlimited on the team that is not on the team? Like who is some, you know, do you have any, like, is there somebody that like, you'd be like, oh yeah, this guy will probably, you know, this person will make it. That person will make it. I, or yeah. this person wants it or is eyeing for it. So, ooh, that's a toughie. Um, it's weird right now because we have the people that have that are on the unlimited team or were on it last year. Um, you know, they're on the unlimited team, and and I think everybody knows about them. As far as people coming up to unlimited, I don't think um, offhand. I really don't think we have anybody right now. Yeah. Um, but I do think that we have a very strong crop of advanced pilots that, um, from what I know, I mean, I'm, I might be missing somebody and, or I don't know who's training and, and is at what level right now. But I think that, you know, myself included, there's a, a few more guys that are, you know, starting to dabble in the unlimited that, that have done okay in advanced that are about to make that jump. And I think in about three years, um, the unlimited nationals competing for the team will actually be a competition and not a walk on. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll have a good field of unlimited pilots. Um, so right. I think unlimited right now, you're not going to see, I mean, you might see somebody step up and start flying it, but as far as what you're talking about, you know, actually competing and, and challenging, you know, for a medal. Um, I think it's going to be a little stagnant for the next yeah. two or three years. I think the person, if I was to say who, if somebody asked me, you know, who, who are you looking out for or who's somebody to, to watch at next year's nationals? I think there's going to be a good battle between uh, AJ Wilder and Aaron McCartan. I think Aaron's, Ooh, um, yeah. he's proven, you know, he's yeah. definitely proven himself and AJ has proven himself. And I think those are the two uh, quote unquote young guns or newbies uh, to yeah. unlimited that can actually, you know, really be competitive. Um, Do you think you'll see it? Um, Ringer is like the wrong word, um, but like, do you think you'll see a former unlimited team member or former unlimited practitioner come back and try for try out for the team? Um, I mean, my my heart says yes and my gut says no. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, we have I mean, just offhand, the two name, the three names that come to my head is Jeff Bourbon, Goody Thomas and Foster Boxman. I mean, Foster. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't Fox? He, he could, yeah, yeah. Fox. I don't know. I mean, well, I do. I have a. I, I know why. There was some politics. Yeah, every. I think everybody, in, unless you you don't want to admit it or not, but you know, there was not politics. There was some some stuff. I guess I don't even call know what politics. to call it because. Yeah, call I just wasn't involved. Bullshit. I wasn't involved, and <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know. Nobody knows what the fucking truth is these days. But anyway, but he's a phenomenal guy, and he just started on Unlimited, and he was he did really really well. And, you know, like we were just talking about, it takes years and you have to have experience actually at competitions to get better, I feel. And he was on that road. And then, 
you know, so like those are three guys, Foster, Goody, Jeff Bourbon, that, um, yeah, would be just fucking great for them to come back. Plus you got Aaron and AJ now. You got yeah. Rob still up there. Um, what's the guy's name? Craig Gifford. Everybody's Gifford. forgotten about, you know, when he competed in 2017 or 2016, uh, he won the known, you know, so he's, he's a really, really, really good pilot. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'll, oh, and then you got Jim Burke. Jim you know, Burke he's good. There. Yeah. He trains his ass off. Um, so yeah, there's, really has, they're out man. there. He really rose up fast. Yeah. They're out there. But we got to, yeah. you know what, you know what it's going to take? Hmm. I think it's going to take somebody sponsoring a, a WWF title belt to give away to, to show up. That's <laughs> what I think. That's what I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. That I was actually going to call a, my chapter. Uh, we got to do a one minute free. Um, the one minute free. <laughs> we should, yeah, we should call the fly cool shit GP, you know, and just have it somewhere and, yeah. and just have aerobatic pilots come from all over and it's just one minute free. I mean, if we raised enough money, they would, people would come. It's just so get, cool. We gotta get we will get fighter pilot supplements to sponsor it. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm yeah. just fucking around. I, yeah, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Mitch edit um, that out. You got that, Mitch? All right. <laughs> he just nodded. He's doing good. Yeah, good. Mitch has got you know he's having a hard time with COVID right now. I mean, I got him in the uh, production booth. He's, you know, working the levels and everything, but he hasn't left. He just, do you, he just lives there. He lives there. He's, he's been looking for a nice, uh, 152. We were talking about that off offline about doing the formation 152 Aerobat team, which people would love. They would love Dude, it. That'd be so cool. I really want one. Yeah. Another one yeah. popped up for sale. 150 Aerobat. I'm like, man, it'd be so fun. Oh, how'd it Have go with your, uh, your sunglass giveaway? Oh, um, gosh. And I, um, uh, we'll mention it now cause there's so, enough time to enter. Um, so Lyft reached out to, reached out to me. I was like, Hey, uh, do you want to do a giveaway? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, and they sent me two pairs of their new titanium aviator sunglasses. And I'm not a big, I used to wear aviators a lot and I, I kind of like straight away from them and, um, don't I'm wear them into the aviator. Look, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't my, wear them. My wife thinks it's like so hot when I wear aviators. Or so really? she tells me, but I just refuse. I just want oh, you to should be do a it. total dud to her. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to not impress her at all, ever. Um, yeah, I just wear the same clothes, dirty clothes every day. Yeah, just smelly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, babe. Yeah. So they, um, <laughs> you know, they sent me these glasses. One was like gold frame and the other is uh, silver frame glasses. And they're just like, hey, um, you know, take a couple pictures and and then uh, post a pair to give away and then, you know, keep a pair. I'm like, all right, well, you know, easy enough. So. A few days ago on my on my Instagram, I, I posted the giveaway. Um, so if you guys haven't yet, um, there's still time to enter. Got another like week and a half. Um, head on to my Instagram, MP Aviation, D-O-T-C-O-M, and uh, find the post for the sunglasses and you can enter the giveaway. And um, what I will say. I just want the, I just want the box for it. The box looks legit. I mean, dude, their every, packaging. Whoever does their packaging, I, I want to know. The, the guy's incredible or girl's incredible. Whoever does it. I will say this uh, full heartedly and honestly. Okay. When, again, I'm not an aviator sunglass fan. I wear my, I wear my Maui gyms. Um, and I love them. I used to wear aviators. I, I don't have a problem with them. They're just not, not my style anymore. So, you know, I had some apprehension when I was sent these pairs of sunglasses. I will be fully honest. They are actually pretty, pretty dope. Um, the, the, that case, the ammo case for the sunglasses yeah. is super cool. Um, 
everything that they do, I really got to hand it to, to Lyft. I know I'm a fanboy. I got to hand it to them. They, they really do the marketing well. They do their products are, are great. Um, their packaging is great. The, the whole experience of, you know, I mean, the shoes are in a shoe box. How, how, yeah. What else can you really do with shoes? But, um, the but even so with the shoes, like the sole of the shoes has got the runway printed on them. Like it's you a, get what you pay details. for. I agree. But you get what you pay for. Like even if you don't like the product, you didn't get, it's not because it was made cheap or no. it was, it, you know, it's just, it, you just, you know, you don't like it and that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, nothing it's they worth produce money. crappy. Yeah. 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 Nothing they produce is crappy. And, and I'm not that I had thought, you know, it's just funny. You see aviator sunglasses and you're like, okay, you're not a, you're not a sunglass company. How good can these be? Um, and they did their homework and research on the lens technology, their titanium framed. Um, when I put them on, I was actually surprised. They are super clear, super nice. And I'm, I'm as a cyclist, I'm super finicky about lens glare and haze and blurriness out of a lens you know, out of a sunglass lens, um, they, it does make a difference. And so when I put these on, I was really shocked uh, to see how nice they were. And they, they're actually super comfortable. So um, I got to give a huge shout out to um, to Lyft um, and the guys over there for sending me a couple pairs and allowing me to do the giveaway. And um, I might give away both pairs just because I'd rather see somebody that would enjoy them get them. Um, but if if I don't, I'll have a pair of the, uh, you know, the sunglasses left when the giveaway is over. But I, I was pleasantly surprised, man. Um, you know, it, I, 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 again, I'm like, okay, maybe they're just crappy sunglasses and they, they just, they aren't, they are really nice sunglasses and the lenses are really, really nice. So, um, like everything Lyft does, um, you know, for aviator sunglasses, they knocked it out of the park. They're, they're really, really nice. So yeah, if you like cool. aviator sunglasses, um, I, I highly suggest taking a look at these cause I, you know, I have a, I have a bunch of Ray-Ban aviators. Um, I have like two pairs of the Randolph, you know, aviators lying around and stuff and oh, never really nice. like I, so they never really fit me all that great. Um, oh, okay. They're a little narrow. Yeah. They just, uh, you know, and I have, I have a freaking wide head, but these, these actually fit <laughs> really, really nice. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you know, you know, everybody knows I'm a huge lift helmet fanboy. Um, but everything and, and the shoes, uh, and this is the third product that I've seen from lift personally like they obviously make a lot of stuff and it, it's just a lot of like knee boards and stuff like that i don't use a knee board so i um i haven't experienced uh, or used their knee board or some of their oh, i got one of those they're really nice the it's actually molded are. it's like it's not molded but it's got like curvature on the bottom so it like fits around your leg better so it's not just like um a flat piece on the bottom so it doesn't shift in flight i use it when i do uh cross country oh nice okay oh, that's nice yeah, i really like that. it yeah, I, I used yeah. to be super hardcore into knee boards and then um, kind of got away from them and then just haven't thought about them since. Um, no, you like, yeah, because like a regular knee board is like, it's just square on your, on your uh, leg and it like flops to the left. Flops it always to the slides. Right, right? Yeah. 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 This yeah. one kind of stays. No, it's nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll have to look into it. I, I, I just, um, as far as aviation companies go, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lyft. I could talk about Lyft all day uh, as far as like yeah. their quality. Cause you know, you get... You know, somebody we we, and I I own one, um, and I'll I'll talk about it. But um, you know, getting the Bluetooth connectivity into non-Bluetooth things like like helmets that don't have Bluetooth technology to listen to music, um, Faro and Blue Link are like the two you know Bluetooth adapters basically uh, on the market to allow you to listen to music and and plug into your headphones. The Faro 
you know, it's just cheaply made. Uh, I'm on my like third one because um, they're they're not very good, and you can't use them with an intercom. Like, there's just something with the re- uh, resistance or, or something within the unit where it doesn't like intercom. Uh, yeah. So, you know, using things in the aviation industry that are cheap, just cheap garbage, and and pushed out there, like it's that's so prevalent. Like, it's so hard to find a company that consistently makes good things of whatever it is. And, you know, Lyft may not have everything that, that, or may not make things that you're looking for, but if you are looking for something and Lyft makes it, it's going to be good quality like that. So that, yeah. End of my fanboy rant, but I've been really (laughs) impressed with everything they've made. Um, Not at all. And they got, they can back it up. They can. can Yeah. Yeah. No, I um, I dig their shoes. You know, again, you, they may not fit you great, um, but the quality is good. You know, it's just one of those things. Everything's super personal, you know, helmets, shoes, such a personal choice. Um, but what's cool about Lyft is um, they'll ship you out different helmet sizes to try before you buy. So I thought that was actually really cool. Um, uh, one of my buddies, CJ, just I think he's buying two. Um, he's a midwing owner. And, you know, Todd at Lyft sent him out a medium and a large to try before. Um before making the purchase, which is really cool because, you know, these helmets are like, gosh, when you invest all in there, you know, almost a couple grand, maybe even more, um, especially like, you know, you look at MSA, Galet, uh, the 050 and, uh, you know, HGU 55s from Gibson and Barnes or Flight Helmet, um, the Lift. What, what am I missing here? What's another major helmet player? Um, Bonehead. You know, get some of these higher end helmets. They're 2,500, three grand. The MSA Galet is super expensive. I mean, I pieced one together and it was like almost 4,000 bucks. Um, so to buy one, that's the wrong size. It's a real, that's a real shitty deal. Um, so it's kind of nice to get a helmet shipped out to you that you can actually put on instead of just measuring your head and actually see how it fits and see if it's comfortable. Cause yeah. it's such a personal choice. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, what else we want to talk? Oh, I know uh. what I want to talk about. Um, I want to ask you, what your pre-flight um i want to talk about pre-flight but i want to i want you as an as a competition pilot advanced team member so high level competition um what do you think about as you know kind of what is in your mind maintenance wise that you like every flight you're thinking about things that about this airplane about your extra 330 se that not not failure points but you know what do you think about um, from a degradation standpoint, like what is wearing on your airplane or what are things that you check every flight to make sure they're not wearing? Yeah. I think that, you know, with me, you know, with maintenance, if you, it's like that old saying, if you think it needs to be changed, you have to change it. That's just the way it has to work. Um, you, you know, you can't cut corners and that's pretty obvious to anybody that, um, you know, knows, you know, how the airplane works. As far as pre-flighting and, and everything like that, you really, for me, you have to just say to yourself, is it worth 10 minutes for me to spend the extra time and look? And it's a, it's a no brainer. So, um, my pre-flights are probably triple the length of, uh, most people. And I really go around every single nut and bolt, um, and just check everything. You know, the extra is great because it's got windows on the bottom of the wing, that show all the connection points and those are all torque sealed. So you can see any, you know, movement with the nut and bolt. 
with that aspect. And um, you just got to be really diligent and just take your time because it's worth it. So this way, you know, when you are flying, the thought of something breaking or going wrong, um, it really isn't even a thought. The only thing I really, um, as far as safety or maintenance or something breaking that goes across my head is when I'm flying, I just like to be near an airport or um, some type of landing spot when I am doing aerobatics because, you know, whether, you know, you're running these motors really hard and you're putting them through a lot of uh, figures and a lot of strain. So, you know, there's a small possibility that something could break, I guess. Um, yeah. And you want to be able to just dead stick it someplace. So my biggest problem was where I was training in the beginning was over a beach. Um, so um, I'd always stay high and I just, there was a parking lot, but then in this late spring, it would be crowded with beachgoers. And sure, you know, it was just always on my head to that. Like, where am I going to put this thing if, if something goes wrong? And, and I hate yeah, that. The two, the two, the two potential, the, the two highest, uh, potential uh scenarios for flipping an airplane would be to land on sand or water <laughs> yeah i'll be honest with you and i thought about this the other day it's funny we're bringing it up um because if you watched that i forget the guy's name um in red bull who um you know he hit the water and he flipped over matt hall um no 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 he actually yeah the plane stayed in the water and then it, it went upside down oh that's right um gosh kindleman kindleman or something like that I forget. It was somebody who didn't come. It wasn't, he wasn't like a staple, right? It was, um, I mean like he was there for, wasn't Nicholas Ivanov. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, um, I think in my gut, if I ever have to ditch in the water, I think I would go in inverted. Would you? I think, I think I would do it. Um, I really do because you have to stay strapped in no matter what, like really tight. You can't start loosening your straps because when you go in the water, upright i mean everything i've seen and it was other, yeah every video i've seen of people landing on water wheels down um it flips to upside down right yeah the you know the only one i i saw or the only one you know aerobatic plane that i've seen not flip and kennelman did flip. sully fucking sully. sully didn't flip yeah, <laughs> yeah. sully's a badass um and that's that's a testament to the airbus airbus is a better plane than boeing there I said it. Um, <laughs> um, is um, that one Panzel accident in Switzerland? I think it was Switzerland where he's doing an aerobatic routine over super glassy water and um, hits the water and pulls up. I'm I'm sure most people have seen this. I think you've you've seen this one, right? Where like yeah, yeah. the wing disappears. He gets it stable and then like hits the water, and he did not. I don't think that airplane flipped. Um, yeah. But that, that was crazy. Anyway, yeah, you, I think most likely scenarios that you're going to flip. My my thing would be, you know, and this is such a funny thing, you know, uh, talking about where you land and why and, and kind of what you would want to do and why. I mean, this is saying that, like, the beach is packed with people and there's just... Yeah, you're not going you know, on the beach, right? Like, you're going in the water at that well, point, I guess. If I if it was the winter or if there were, I would just land, I would actually... If it was, um, if I was over the beach and there weren't a lot of people on the beach, um, where I fly, it's not huge, huge waves by the ocean. Yeah. Um, the break isn't that bad. So, um, I would actually put it down near, you know, that where the water meets the sand, that hard surface part. Yeah. 
that's where I would go. But if the beach, well, I'm talking about when the beach is crowded and the parking lot's crowded and I really have no other choice at that point. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I, I, a lot of those scenarios, I think about ditching the canopy because um, I worry about flipping and then being able to get that canopy, you know, I mean, I guess once you're submerged, it'll be fine. But like if you're just floating upside down, taking on water, like you're not, you'd be hard to push that canopy out. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. You got to let it fully and in, in, you got to let it fill up with water before you can open it because the pressure yeah. would just be phenomenal. You know, um, he's on the aerobatic pilots page. Yuichi Takagi flies a pits S2S. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw um, him fly at Nationals. He's really yeah, good. Yeah, 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 Um, He, so um, he owns that airplane now. He used to own an air uh, pits S2B 117 Papa Sierra that was. At, so he and I taught together at the aerobatic flight school that uh, we used to teach at. Um, and he owned, um, that pits, uh, one, one, seven Papa Sierra, beautiful S2B with red and, you know, red and white typical pits, um, had an end. I think he lost oil pressure and had to put it down, um, in the Mount Diablo practice area, which is where I am, um, put it down, hit a soft spot and flipped. It was trapped inside the airplane, uh, for a number of minutes until somebody drove by and was able to lift the airplane. Um, and, and he got out. Yeah. So if you ever see him, he carries this like Rambo knife that he swears he's going to be able to cut himself out of an airplane. Um, good luck doing that in an extra. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, depending on the airplane. But yeah, like a legit, a, a legit Rambo knife on his on his parachute. Um, but, um, you know, after talking to him about that, in fact, he'd be great to have on to talk about that. But, um, you know, being trapped, I'm like, oh, would you have done anything differently? And he's like, I would have release the canopy uh i would have jettisoned the canopy before landing and i actually thought about that in a lot of scenarios i'm like you know i i'd be really worried about flipping and being trapped so right. i probably in a lot of those scenarios water being one of them for sure is i'd probably jettison the canopy now you worry about like this is the thing is you can go these scenarios are all so unique and and who knows what you'll do uh at the time but it's like okay the extra can the extra canopy is pretty robust if that thing doesn't depart right and it hits your tail, you might take a controllable airplane that just has an engine failure to then a uncontrollable airplane. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, I go I'm on the fence on a lot of these, um, you know, kind of theories. But I think it's just like and it goes back to, you know, like when we interviewed uh, Nigel Hopkins, um, it's it seemed like with him, it's just whatever it's whatever your instinct wants to do, you yeah. do. And you that's know. what it is. Um, yeah. And that's why we, yeah, so. I, I did want to ask you about your kind of practices for egressing out of an air, airplane, because, um, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be your visceral instinct. It's going to be your Pavlovian response, right? What is yeah. your initial response going to be? And, um, that's why, you know, things like it's probably an old wives tale, but I was taught early on, like you never put on and take off your parachute inside the airplane. Um, because if you're used to that, when the time comes, you're just going to do that. You're going to unstrap your parachute and jump out. And there was a guy that apparently did that, jumped out of the airplane. Holy without a parachute. shit. So it's probably an old wives tale. You know, it's, it's like one of those things, right? Um, yeah. But Who knows? I've always thought about that. I'm like, you know, your, your habits, your habit forming um, techniques are going to be what you do in that airplane. What do you, um, do you practice or think about an egress or these scenarios, like when you get out of the airplane, do you ever 
you know, do the whole like, I'm going to pretend to jump out. I jump out. Okay, one, two, three. I'm going to pull. I'm gliding down. Do you ever actually go through these egress scenarios or do you ever think about it? I'll be honest with you. I mean, very early on, I um, I did some practice, but I was lately I've, I'm so afraid that the canopy is going to break off the airplane and fall on the ground that I was telling, you know, next annual, I always say next annual when the canopy's off, I'm going to do this. And then I always forget. Yeah. And I really haven't. I mean, I, everybody I think knows the routine of, you know, how to undo the hooker harness with two hands together, you where you clap together. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where I think you got to develop some type of procedure and practice it. So it's ingrained where it's, you know, seatbelts, unplug your helmet. um, And then, I, I couldn't even answer the, the best way to egress the airplane from straight and level upright. But that's the thing. It's like, when are you going to, you might be in a Nigel Hopkins situation where the airplane's rotating. You might be, yeah. you know, who, who knows what type of airplane situation, you know, wh- whatever configuration the airplane is going to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You almost so, get into this, in, into the mindset of like, whatever you practice on the ground is not going to be how it's going to be in the air. So why even, and I don't mean like don't be conscious and cognizant of, of using your parachute, but it's almost like, okay, great. The airplane's upright. What are the chances of you being able to get the airplane upright and stable to bail out? Because why would you be bailing out of it? Right. So it's almost like, why practice that scenario? Yeah. I think that, I think it should be practice. Um, do I think it should be practiced a lot? I would say that you should use that time and go sky. And I'm, I haven't done it and I should, but I think if you go skydiving, you know, on a tandem jump, I think that's, um, super duper helpful for you. Um, yeah. at least I, that's my plan just yeah. to get used to the, having the confidence that if you do need to jump, you can, you know, you feel like, okay, I can jump and it's not so, um, unnatural. I mean, it's going to be unnatural, but like, at least, you know, you've jumped out of an airplane before, you know, yeah. which is, I think, a step in the right direction. And I've heard oh, that absolutely. from a lot of people. Yeah. No, I, I did a tandem. It's been 20 years this year since I've done a tandem. Um, so I have no reference other than when I did it. Um, did but you scream? I, I, I would scream like a little girl. I really would. You know, it's so funny, dude. Um, obviously, I would be that know, guy on like the YouTube videos that just passes out like, yeah. <laughs> There's something so weird, dude. Like I'm, I don't know if you're like this. I'm, I'm not deathly afraid, but I'm pretty severely afraid of heights. Like I won't climb on my roof. I, I'll tell you, I, we, had, when I, we bought the house that we're in now, uh, there was like a, a sat, like a satellite uh, dish TV or whatever, direct TV satellite dish on the roof. And we didn't have direct TV. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to take that. I'm gonna go up there and take that dish down. I went up there and the dish is heavy and I'm doing it by myself. And I started slipping a little bit. I, I, I was panicking dude. And it took me a long time <laughs> to even get the courage to go up on the roof. And the roof's not that high. I can't stand heights like that. So, and obviously as an, in an airplane, I, I don't care at all. I don't even think about it, but, um, yeah, that sky. Sometimes when I'm flying along, like on a cross country, not to interrupt you, but like, it'll be like, whatever, 7,000 feet. And I'll just be putting along in the extra. And then I'll just yeah. think, I'll be like, wow, you're 7,000 feet up and in some tube and tubes and steel. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I think about that all the time. I'm like, this is so weird. I'm sitting in a little metal crate, 7,000 yeah, like, feet high. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is so weird. Drinking a Starbucks coffee. Like, this is bizarre. Um, like, wow. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it, it, which it is. It's super bizarre. But, it, you know, heights in an airplane never really bug me. Um, but that jump plane, like stepping up to the door and looking out and you're just like, I'm going to fucking jump out of this airplane. This is crazy. Um, so there was definitely that initial like, OK, this is really crazy. There's also that element. Um, and maybe it's like a false security. But like when I put a parachute on, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like I've got a parachute. So it's fine. I can be near this edge um, with a parachute because I'll be fine. Whereas like on the roof, I'm like, I have nothing up here. Not that a parachute would help on the roof, but um, so, yeah, I, I had that initial like, oh, shit. Uh, but then once we jumped, I was like, oh, this is amazing. It was super fun. It had to be cool when you're under canopy. It is really cool. It's super cool. And yeah, and you know, um, I'm not so as we've already established, not a first skydiver at all. Um, not a skydiver, period. I mean, one tandem jump doesn't make one a skydiver, clearly. But um, there's been a lot of chatter on the aerobatic pilots page about, you know, I, I see this question pop up a couple times a year. Somebody asked, you know, you know, what's a better canopy for a survivor or oh, for yeah, aerobatics? Out. You know, and th that's like the third time that's been asked by experienced uh, skydivers. And I, one of the owners of my airplane uh, was a, uh, like a, competition skydiver like a award-winning very very well-versed skydiver um and then i've given um aerobatic instruction to a couple guys that are big base jumpers and skydivers and it's really interesting to hear you know it's really interesting to talk about uh talk to them about egressing and and the kind of canopy they want versus the kind of canopy like we would want or that we have in our survival rigs you know because these are survival rigs they're not this is meant you know if you have two broken arms you can hopefully pull the D handle with your teeth and, and survive, you know, it's, it's not meant to be flown like some of these skydive, these, these rectangle, you know, more maneuverable canopies and stuff like that. Um, but it's interesting when you are experienced kind of what you think you want. Um, it was a really interesting discussion to see, but, um, yeah, my yeah, brother, I, I, my brother used to do a lot of skydiving and he was on one of those, uh, four way teams or whatever, but, oh, yeah. you know, he's, Everybody would, he would hang out at the uh, DZ all the time. And there was this one person who wanted to play a prank on somebody like a tan, like they, it was just two guy friends or whatever, or, and they wanted to do a tandem jump and they never been skydiving. So, um, the guy's like, Oh, we, I think it's on a YouTube show. Hey, I think it's on some YouTube show now. I'll send it to you. But basically, um, the uh, tandem instructor took up with them an extra D ring with the cable. So okay. they're, they're skydiving and like they're filming it and the guy's free falling and they're like, yeah, they're giving like the uh, hang 10 sign and everything. And um, all of a sudden the tandem guy goes to pull, he pulls the fake D ring like right in front of his face and the guy oh, sees no. it because they briefed it on the ground. They're like, all right, you can see me pull the D ring. You know, here it is. When you see this, you can expect the canopy. So he pulls the D ring right in front of the guy's face and nothing happens. And all of a sudden the guy, like he does the, the total double take, like looks, looks back and <laughs> nothing's happening. So he's like, he's like, the guy's like, Oh, I'm going to try to pull the reserve. And this, and the guy's like freaking out and he's like, flap your, flap your arm. I need you to flap your arm. <laughs> and the oh guy's in the God. video, like flapping his arms. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah. Dude, that would freak me out. I got to send you it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. and then like they land, they had like a big banner on the on the ground. It was like, gotcha. Was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Those are. Yeah, that that would be too far. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I was talking to Aaron McCartan about this. I think I, I, I made a comment like because I asked him about that. And um, 
I think practicing egress in the airplane or just consciously thinking about the the procedural steps once you get out of the airplane to then getting on the ground with a, under parachute is one of those really underutilized um, thought processes. Like we, you know, all of us, we don't really think about it. Um, you know, we kind of want to just get in the airplane and go, especially after a while, like you, you put the parachute on, everything becomes kind of routine. You know, you, you tighten right. it how you think you want to tighten it or how you think it should be. And you kind of just get in and go. Um, and then every once in a while I'll be like, man, I just haven't, I haven't really just like sat and thought to myself what the steps are. I mean, not, not that I've forgotten the steps, but it's just like, it's, it's always good to kind of run through. And as an instructor, I would teach, I'd be really, um, diligent at making sure students would practice. I'm like, okay, Hey, we haven't done a practice egress, you know, let's practice. Let's, um, let's go through the steps, especially, you know, dual like that, that dynamic is so much different than, than solo, but, um, you know, like the super decathlon, it's like, okay, Hey, let's practice. We're going to shut down the engine. And then from there, we're going to, we're going to go bail out, bail out, bail out and go through the whole process. And, you know, just like getting out of the airplane, how we're getting away from the airplane, you know, when to pull the D ring, um, what to do. And it's, um, after a while, you just kind of stop doing that, especially flying solo. You just, you just don't think about it. Just yeah, interesting. I just, you know? uh, yeah, again, just a reference. I just think it's going to be like an instinct thing. I think everybody I think knows, so you know, unless you don't have experience. But, you know, I talk about it a lot to people. I'm sure you do, too. And it's like, you know, you know, the, uh, you just got to do it. Um, probably you know, one thing that, that makes given. me nervous. <laughs> you, you just got to do it. <laughs> one thing that makes me nervous is um, I wonder, you know, like with Nigel, it was so instinctual to just get out. Right. He just he's like, oh, time to go. Um, yeah. You know, you, I've seen some of those or, you know, I, I feel like I've seen instances where there have been fatal accidents. And I wonder if there was a reluctancy to to get out. You know, it's like I can fix this. And it was just one turn yeah. in the in the rotation too many. Do you ever worry about that? Because I worry about that. I worry about that myself. Like, am I going to be questioning whether I should get out or not? No, I think that you'll know, like I had a canopy fail and, you know, it really wasn't that big of a, you know, it hit the tail and the elevator and, and whatever. And, you know, you just, the first thing I did was like, okay, am I gonna, is the airplane under control? And it was, and then you just carry on. And I think with Nigel, it was like, you know, he even said it was, I have no control over this airplane. I have to get out. And I think if you don't have control, it's just, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. And you know that you have to leave. Do it's you either feel, die in the airplane or die going down in the airplane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, or, um, I mean like it's either get out or, or, or you're going to, you're not going to survive with this. When I teach aerobatics, I, I teach having people think about their level of controllability, like flying the airplane all the time. Do you think about that kind of stuff? I mean like, you know, making sure like what you're feeling is supposed to be normal. Um, you know, the level of input, um, you know, as far as like, okay, am I putting too much of something in for this given maneuver to make my spidey sense go off and me, you know, kind of show that something's going on. You know, I, I, I think that hyper, hyper aware or, or you know, maybe not hyper aware, but just that heightened sense of making sure your airplanes in control at all times through these maneuvers will really show like when you don't have that control, something's really wrong. 
Yeah. Like, do I you mean, think about that a lot? Or, or just, I mean, I guess maybe you probably don't, it's probably subconscious, but no. it's like, if it feels normal, it's normal, right? Because like an abnormality would be not normal. Yeah. I don't really, not in an, in an airplane I've been flying, I, you know, in a new airplane, you're just like, all right, like it's time to, yeah, everything's weird. Time to get to know everything's yeah. just, you know, a little different. But once you get to know your airplane, it's, it's fine. If I haven't, like, I haven't flown my airplane in a while. So maybe my like, uh, uh awareness is going to be a little bit more heightened. Yeah. But, um, after a little bit, it's fine. And, and that all goes back to just having confidence in your mechanic and doing a proper pre, uh, pre-flight and making sure that everything on the airplane is, isn't like chintzed, you know, you should yeah. have all good shit on your airplane that shouldn't break. So if you're, you know, skimping on maintenance and, you know, not changing your oil frequently for the seventy, eighty dollars it costs for a case, um, you know, then you might you're probably not gonna be as confident as you can be. But, you know, there's people out there that that do crazy shit like that or just skip yeah. on maintenance and it's like they got nine lives. They'll just keep getting away with it. And then you'll see that person who does everything right and something gets fucked up. So, you yeah. know, it's like maybe Fuck it's, of a draw. Yeah, it's but you want to try to limit your risk. I mean, you definitely want to try to catch things before they go or be preventive, yeah. preventative with it. But how often know. do you change your oil? I change mine every like 15 to 20 hours. I'm a nut job. Yeah. No, we do 25. Just cause it's, yeah, I'm just crazy. Um, and some people think that I don't want to get into the, to the science behind it, but you can't just cause you're adding oil. It does not count as an oil change. Oh <laughs> you no. Know, some people, some people think <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, like how I, I blow so much out the breather. I'm constantly. I'm like, <laughs> that is such bullshit. Oh my god, that <laughs> Crazy, is right, man. People, I know. It's like I was telling you guys in the group chat. Like, I was pre-flighting to 300L. I won't mention the school uh, that I was instructing at, but um, you know, the, <laughs> the oil was like at seven quarts, and I hadn't flown the airplane in like a week or something like that. And so I, I go to the owner. I'm like, hey, uh, extras down, you know? And he's like, why? High oil consumption, like the things at seven quarts. So whoever flew it last, you know, either either dumped, you know, five quarts out of the breather or uh, something's really wrong. So, you know, it just needs to be looked at. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I've been yeah. I've been telling people not to put oil in it. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oil costs a lot of money and, and you know, it, it flies fine on on seven, six quarts. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. dude, this is an extra Quarter million dollar airplane and you're worried about oil. Yeah, sense. yeah, it's 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 nine quarts, nine dollars a quart or something like that. Like yeah, so when you crazy. buy a case, it's cheaper. Like even my cheaper. Oil, I think it's yeah. Five I know there's there, you know, so many of the conversations uh, were like this, where I'm just like, why do you have a business then? You know, go make money something doing something <laughs> else. Like if oil, if you're worried about oil, then you are not thinking about <laughs> the things that you should probably. So what's about. what's the deal? I'm so ADD. With Gamebird, because I had you guys brought up this thing when we were talking in our chat about GB2, and I thought they made some big posts that I missed, but it was like they snuck it in on their web on their website. Like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What's the, it's getting a lot? What do it's you get, think it's going to be? People are asking a lot of questions. You know, um, uh, I think it's going to be. I mean, I think the natural the natural thing for me is to go single seat. Like the, what you're going to have a, a, but it's a GB two. They're calling it. That's that I know <laughs> now. Do you think two it, wing? Do you think two wings? I did joke about that 
um, that'd be sweet, but and, I don't. And think. you and I spoke about like there's we were hoping a new manufacturer would come in and make a new, another biplane. There's no biplane manufacturers, it seems. No, no, I know. Um, I, I GB2 think it's en- GB2 engines. It's twin engine. It's going to be two engine, um, two engine, two wing, single seat. <laughs> two engine, two wing, single seat. Yeah. Um, I'm liking it. Do I'm I mean, do you it. think it's going to be just an updated version of the GB1? Um, my gut's telling me it's just going to be a, a single seat GB, uh-huh. but that's kind of what I'm thinking too. G- well, maybe it's GB two. Maybe it's just a new revision of the two seater. Like, you know, like the L then they went to the LT and then the LX and the LA BC like extra yeah. just, they have like diarrhea of airplane names. The 300 L has gone through way too many iterations. Iteration. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like, um, how do you price your, your, if you have a two seat extra, how do you price it? You know, outside of like an, a new NG. Yeah. Like, well, let's go through them. How many are there? You want to list? Because you have There's more experience with the two-seaters. The 300L. Yeah. The LP. The LT, I think. I think there's a 300LT. Um, And then I don't think there's LC. a 300. There's the LC. And I think that's it for the 300L. But then like L- the 330. The 330 LX. is like the same airplane. And then there's um, L. Uh, gosh, are we missing one? 330 L. We got LT. It's just too many. Yeah. L, LX, LT, LP, LC, L. Do you think parents with like five kids do this too? Like they forget their kids' names? I probably would. I'd be terrible. Dude, I only have two and I can't remember one of their names right now. Right? I'm just um, like, you. Hey, you. Hey. <laughs> Hey, well, hey, you, you don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, no. Hey, oh, hey, that's what uh, I sound like all day. Hey, guy. <laughs> no, we call hey, dude, man. my wife and I, we call our kids the, the like, it's so funny when something when our visceral like we're like, hey, don't do that. It, it's always the opposite kid's name that comes out. I don't know why that is. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. I asked this to Rob and I got and, and Rob like was kind of like, no, <laughs> basically, uh, like, you know, he, he's so funny the way he answers uh, questions. Um, no, but I, yeah, it was like, no, I think well, that about wraps up the show here, fellas. <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for listening. Um, I'd asked him about, you know, because we talked about I think we were talking about the game or the uh, Gen Pro at the time. And then we brought up Gamebird. But um, and the, well, no, you asked him about the NG. And so we were kind of talking about that that two speed two seat aerobatic space. And I asked him, I was like, do you think the market, especially with the new MX two, the new iteration of the MX two coming out, that the single seat aerobatic monoplane is going to die. Um, and he was just like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it. there's always going to be a market there or, you know, nope. whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I don't think that. All right. Well, next question. Um, next question. <laughs> We're like running out of questions. It's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> just ran, running through them. Yeah. I hope but, they're listening because, um, and they, if Rob and AJ are listening, um, sorry, fellas, hate me later or hate us later, but we're going to have to redo that whole interview. But yeah. good, you guys got to work on your answers because we'd be like, so I was like, how was the training? Oh, AJ sucks. Okay. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Um, <laughs> I think we got so tough on like, we, we were, we were struggling so much in that interview that I asked that's the, uh, the question that we, we promised we would never ask. That's how desperate we were. Yeah. Yeah. We we're like, what's your favorite airplane? 
Uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get him on the interview. Or we'll interview him again. Yeah, um, I always love you know love talking to Rob, but um, we'll redo it. Yeah. But I guess like I get that's kind of my 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 feeling with the GB two. I'm like, you have the GB one. You can do plus ten, minus ten with two people in that airplane. Not that you. And it looks badass to. with the single seat canopy. It, it looks badass yeah. with the single seat canopy. Why would you develop a single seat version? That's my, unless you know. So the GB one is kind of like the, um, you know, the S Bach, I guess, right? But you yeah. know, kissing cousin, right? There was a two seat and a single seat version of that. Um. I think it's I think the answer is that they want to put it up against the MXS. That's it's I think that's the they need to save the weight and they'll probably do some minor aerodynamic modifications to it. You know, they'll do something maybe with the rudder or uh, they'll probably keep it experimental. This way you could do whatever you want with the motor. Yeah. And I think they want to put it up against the MXS. That's my gut. That's what I'm that's what I would guess. And I think that's a great move. They have the facility. They got it is a great move. it, yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. So that'd be interesting. That's a good point, dude. That's a good point. Because because on one hand, I'm like, okay, the NG, the GB1, uh, and the um, MX2 are like insanely capable two-seaters. Do you need yeah. a single seat anymore? The, and the LX, 330LX, obviously. It's like, do you Well, need- you know, with the LX and the NG, we've had two people now, two very well-known people. Um Say the LX, they'd take an LX over an yeah. NG. Yeah. Um, I actually found that really fascinating. I'd love, I really want to fly both back to back to compare. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I would love to fly the NG. Um, I just can't imagine it being better than an LX. I mean, for a two seat, you know, from an extra family, I think the MX2 would, uh, would blow away an LX. You know, I've said that the GB1, um, I'd prefer to get a GB1 over an LX. Um, really? You know, well, over the LX, I would. If well, in the right market. So, like, if an LX was four hundred grand new and a GB1 is four hundred grand new, I'd probably steer towards the extra just because it's a safer bet. Um, if you need to recover your money, and I think yeah. that there's a lot more. It's a little bit better refined. But I flew an earlier GB1, and I've seen some pictures of some of the ones they're making now, and they're a lot more refined on the interior. Um, portion of it so um and extras you know for the most part they really hold value and you know game birds nothing against them it's just they're a new company so they're too new yeah i don't i don't know what the used market's going to bear for them if you need to exit yeah um but if used if for the right price you know i really it's apples and oranges what feels right for you and i really like the game bird i liked what they i don't want to give a lot away because we're going to get philip on um next week but it's just got it's got some really cool stuff going on that are really um it's like a you know the rudder pedals are it seemed like they're a little bit cap sukoyish which i love the uh the stick is very sukoyish which i really love uh the ergonomics of it um as far as you where you sit i really love you know the x the two seat extras they got that seat hump that every time you try to snap you're at the bottom of your your hamstring rubs up against that seat hump and it's yeah. so fucking annoying for me. Um, so, yeah, you're never going to find a perfect airplane. I mean, maybe you will. If you, I think MX right now, if you wanted a custom, a truly custom built, if you wanted an aerobatic airplane and, and 
You wanted it to fit all of your needs for, you know, relatively speaking. Um, the only place to go is MX. Yeah. Because they'll do whatever. It seems like they'll do a lot more for you than other airplane. Um, I don't want to say, because they're really not, I wouldn't really consider them a manufacturer, but producers. Yeah. Um, they'll do a lot more within reason to that airplane. Whereas, you know, if you want an SC, you can't go to Walter and, and be like, hey, what if we, um, I want to change the wingtip a little bit here and put this wingtip. He'll be like, um, no, you can buy this <laughs> and then do that on your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like and the ergonomics Gabriel. of MX too. Like, you know, all totally. you got to do is watch yeah. like um, anybody else pull high G and then go watch Rob Holland pull high G. Like that airplane, you are working less. And they really did get the one thing. I mean, they did a bunch of things right, but I would say the one thing they got amazingly right was the ergonomics and that's one thing i've heard complaints about with the gb1 is comfort and ergonomics yeah. um i mean they sit what, in the airplane when they're flying and it's like they're only missing the tv remote it looks so relaxed so just, like, relaxed ready for like their hand to come up to flip the channel like oh, yeah let me turn the volume up it's here. almost aggravating like this guy is like rob is inside tumbling at you know 180 knots and it looks like he's sleeping mm -hmm. yeah so it's such a it's i mean don't take this out of context because I, uh, I I love my airplane and I truly believe I'm never going to get rid of it um, for a long time. And I I love it. But like if I had money, you know, where I can afford another single seat, I at this point I get an MXS. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, there's no reason. Well, there's just no. There's you know, if if you're competing and you fly a high performance monoplane there's no ceiling to an MXS. Yeah. I mean, you're not, what do you, what can't you do in that airplane? Whereas like you legitimately in an SC, there's things you legitimately can't do that an MXS can do. Now you can make your really, SC do it, but it's not going to do it out of the factory. And that's going to really, um, <clears throat> that's going to set apart or it could set set apart Rob from a lot of other people because, you know, if Jim Burke gets an MXS or whomever gets an MXS, you know, I would love to be at the first competition where a four minute free is being flown with the two of them because, yeah. you know, up until this date, there's who else is flying an MXS in the four minute free? I know that there's some MXS pilots out there flying a rest seat that are really good. But yeah. as far as four minute and air show style flying in the States, He's uh well Brad Wurstein's I haven't seen his air show he's out west but yeah you know, Rob's got he's got the uh he's got the only one really flying in, in competition with the four minute free so yeah I'm excited for the uh for the uh what do you call that different airplanes entering competition I think it'll be exciting I wish that more people would fly Sukhoi in competition to be honest I wish that, whatever so Sukhoi was gonna come back remember that there was like they teased. Yeah, I, there still might be Laros, L-A-R-O-S. Yeah, that's but it, yeah. There's still plenty of 26s and 31s around. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a great airplane. Phenomenal airplane. I, I argue it's one of the greatest airplanes ever built because that it's a 30-year-old airplane that can whoop ass still. Oh, totally ass. Like a 300L so can't, can't whoop ass, right? I mean, so it can fly unlimited, but can a 300L... Could a, I mean, could Louis Van Al fly a 300L and score well in, in at WAC? I don't think so. 
I don't think he would score great. I mean, because just because the energy that it that these airplanes need to fly at, you know, these this day and age whack, and it doesn't have the roll rate to be able to fit things inside the box, you know, yeah. at, when you're going on a horizontal line at you know VNE, um, but yeah, the three hundred L is really, I mean, you can get through it, but it's not an unlimited airplane. I mean, my uh, my not friend anymore, made the. T- huh? Yeah, my friend made the team in 2000 or 1999 in a 300L. And he's like, it's like bringing a station wagon to a NASCAR race. And that's a 99. Yeah, yeah so that there was a lot of competitors. It was quite an achievement for him. But, you know, he went from that to an edge. And, um, and that's you know, a night and day. obviously, and totally night and day. And there was nothing. Yeah. That, I mean, Cap was, um, you, you know, Cap is a great airplane, but they had some some issues with the fuselage. Um, that had to get that, uh, that carbon fiber wrap around it. Right. I don't know. exactly. Yeah. And then there wasn't really anything else to, to choose from. I mean, Sukhoi, everybody's argument from America in reference to switching to a Sukhoi was that, you know, because the gyroscopics were opposite, you know, because of the rotation of, of the propeller that it would take too much time to relearn. Yeah. Um, everything. So nobody was really going Suk and Edge had just came out. The extras, they had the 300S and the SHP wasn't even developed yet. Or maybe right. it was in like engineering phases. Um, and I mean, there were some one-offs like that Votech thing in Switzerland. And then there was, uh, what else was there? Um, I can't, MX wasn't, there was just, just the Giles at that point, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So Edge was, Edge, I'm so shocked that Edge didn't. Such a great airplane, really specifically built for competition, and and, and they got it house. right. They really got it right. The yeah. Airplane's phenomenal. There's, there's an edge out west. Um, this guy, I don't, I never spoke to him once in my life, so I don't know him. But his name was Malcolm Pond. He was on the advanced team, mm-hmm. but um, he's got an. There's an edge out there that is just absolutely gorgeous. It's like red, white, and blue. It's got a faded like checker scheme to it, or something. Um. Oh, it's just gorgeous. That's absolutely cool. gorgeous. Yeah. I would love to get, I would love to get one. I would love to fly one. To Me too. Yeah. I'd love to fly a cap. Love to fly a Sukhoi and a, I'd love to fly an edge. Maybe we can grow this podcast so big and we do an aerobatic museum. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> We'd be like the planes of fame, but for <laughs> aerobatics. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that'd be yeah, sick. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I got a I got a couple planes on my bucket list. I would love to do an S one eleven B. Oh yeah. S one eleven B. Yeah, I there's a guy that I do his BFR every two years and he, he has the most beautiful S one eleven B. You never told me that. Yeah, yeah. Sean Worthington. Shout out to Sean. Like he's he's um I, he was doing advanced out here um in it. What color um, is it? It's yellow and it's like yellow and kind of purplish blue. Is that the one that was just for sale? No. Um, There's one in Southern California that was for sale. It was Um, yellow. I'll try to, I'll try to find a picture of this one. Um, It's, it's really, he built it. He should let you have a rip in it. I wish, I wish. Oh man. Is it like a, is it a museum piece? Is it like his baby? It's his baby. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, I I hate fly- you know I already told you this I hate fly you know flying other people's airplanes but um I mean I would have to if he if he was like dude just yeah go fly it for a little bit I I would have to go do it but 
Um, it's a really pretty airplane and it's just immaculate and it's just built, you know, he's a really smart guy, like, you know, engineering type. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really pretty, but yeah, that's a, what a, that's the last, you know, like the model 12 can fuck off. Like I want to fly one, don't get me wrong, but I hear more references to the model 12 being like a super decathlon than like a pits. I feel like the S 111 B is like the last badass pits. I think so. I, I love the one that uh, Robert Armstrong flew in Worlds. It was green and orange and white. <laughs> it's like the oh, most yeah. weird colors, but it worked. Uh, that thing oh, was yeah. gorgeous. So cool. Yeah, man, so. man. Fucking love that airplane. I, I, I loved the Super Stinker. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, man. Maybe one day we'll get some. We'll get one some. Of one these day. yeah. Yeah, like the <laughs> of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I like the. This was a good podcast. This is, a good this one. is great, dude. I'm just, I'm just going through what we spoke about, and the first thing that popped in, into my head, the best part about it was uh, talking about the hair gel with Silliberti. I mean, yeah. if anybody's going to take looks, away dude. anything, LA looks or crew comb. That's what it was, <laughs> crew comb. <laughs> Get it while it's hot. <laughs> yep, yep. But um, no well, shit, dude. We got anything else on the docket here? Or are we done? Are we done ski? I think we're done ski. Um, GB two. I wonder what it's going to be. We got to. Re- with our luck, we're going to forget to ask Philip that while he's on. That's going to be my first question. I guarantee. I'm not no, going to say hello. We're going to the ponytail. That's ponytail first. I mean, priorities. Yeah. I mean, we have priorities. All right. Second question will be the GP2. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to Phillip, have him on. Take us through your hair washing regimen. <laughs> <laughs> what is your hair care routine? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, you just hear the phone click. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. Oh my god! I wonder. I want to ask him if he had any like nicknames because everybody from like Germany is so serious. It looks like they don't have any fun. But he, I mean, he seems he, pretty serious too. Yeah. Like, did he have any nicknames growing up? Do they allow that in Germany? Do they allow? Is that against the law to have a nickname? You know. That's a good what question. would you nickname Philip? I call him Steiny. <sighs> Steiny, I like that. Ah, nah. P.S. Play mm. on words there. You can't go with like the obvious Philly. I go Philly. I, it's a tough one. Phillips. Phillips. I a, mean, a, a tough nickname to get after. S. Bach. I feel like is a, is probably was his call sign, and then he just named the S. Bach the S. Bach. Box. Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll ask him. Maybe he maybe he's got one. Yeah, yeah we'll figure it out in post. Yeah. Well, sweet dude. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think you need to plug uh plug those sunglasses because it's kind of screwed up. I'm not even allowed to enter because if I win, it's gonna look set up. Oh, so you I'm can enter. Entering. I'm I'm oh, gonna yeah, I'm sure I'm, people will really I'm, believe that. <laughs> so I'm I'm taking all the names uh on I think it's the forgot what day I'm going to do it. It's like the 19th. I'm going to take all the names and I'm going to assign a number to them and I'm going to put it in a number generator and, and gener- generate it randomly. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be fair, but so once you do a live enter, drawing and like, let I your kids pick a number. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, yeah, that'd be freaking cool. Like, like let yeah. the kids do it. It's all about yeah. the kids, man. It's all about the kids for the kids. But yeah, they're, um, <laughs> they're the, uh, Tanium AVX aviator sunglasses for those that want to go look them up. LiftAviationUSA.com is the website and um, head to my Instagram and enter. So you can enter uh, for 
uh, a pair of the silver sunglasses. And then I'll probably give away the uh, the golds too because you know, like I said, they're nice sunglasses. There's just I, I just I love my Maui gyms. Um, yeah, but um, I was highly impressed with these aviators. So I may I may keep them and use them. Um, I may give them away just in case you know there's people out there that really really want uh, some aviator sunglasses. So we'll see. But did you did you post it on the uh, Facebook Aerobatic Pilots page? I did. Yeah, it's you on know, there too. Kind of cool. Oh, I want. Do you get any good feedback on it? It didn't. Uh, I mean, just some people liked. It. I just had to head over to my Instagram. That's kind of where I'm tallying who enters. Um, oh, gotcha. So uh, yeah, so head on over there and yeah, enter and maybe win some sunglasses, dude. You know, trying to never it's, know. It's Christmas in uh, what month? Of it? It's Christmas in January. <laughs> Christmas in January. That's it. That's <laughs> uh, too funny, man. Alrighty. Well, sweet well, dude, then, uh, episode 18, Fork, is being stuck into it as we speak. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. See oh, you guys later. Um, you know, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude, I wanted, we are the worst at getting off of this. <laughs> I wanted to mention, um, thank you to everybody, you know, for listening and subscribing. Um, we already mentioned about uh, cracking the top 100, but... Um, and I'm working on... There's a Spotify issue with the feed. I don't know. So if you if you're... Trying to do it on Spotify. I don't know what the problem is, but um, if you can head over to the Apple Podcast app and and subscribe on there. Um, I'm working on Spotify for those that don't use uh, Apple stuff. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I, I have a su- support ticket open. The RSS feed is working, and for some reason, it's not updating. Hasn't updated since November. So uh, we're working on that. But um, appreciate everybody for listening. Um, you know what and, we forgot to uh, talk about? Huh? Luke Penner and Patty that picture Ooh. should we save that for the next one or do we want to talk about it well we're uh, we're already yeah, uh, it's gonna turn, it, it's gonna turn into a, well shout out to luke and uh that's quite an accomplishment having somebody like that repost you i'm sure i was that happy really for cool. him seeing that yeah no it's it's super cool to see a legend you know it's like this is where like we are now in social media where like you know um you know, Luke is obviously uh, a killer pilot and then Patty's a legend and, and to post the same picture and be like, Oh, you know, this is, here it is. Like, this is cool. Yeah, I, I, That oh. is really cool. I dig yeah. Patty, man. Yeah. 2021 already given us, given us some good shit. That's it, man. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a good year in that regard. We'll see some good content at social media wise so. on the aerobatic page and get to do some flying, do some air shows and yeah. Yeah. Good. We'll see. All right. So we yeah. ready to end this? Okay, now we are officially ready to end this. Episode 18. Thanks for uh, listening, guys, and we'll we'll, uh, talk to you again on the uh, next podcast. Okay, bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 